an entrepreneur will spend the beginning part of their career being desperately underpaid. You know, when you start your business, your friends have jobs and they're making, you know, 60, 80, 100, whatever they're making. And, and you're making nothing, right? And you're working twice as hard as them. And uh, you're worried about, you know, paying your bills. But then if the entrepreneur gets it right, you don't quit and you figure it out and you get it right and you, you know, and you're not your own worst enemy. You get to spend the last part of your career being wildly overpaid. What is up, you sexy bastards? It's your boy, Taco, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to Larry Janeski of Contractor Nation. Now, this is a guy we randomly stumbled upon on YouTube. Larry has gone from not going to college to creating a $500 million basement business. Now, he came from super humble beginnings. No one in his family went to college. He didn't have the money to go to college himself. And he just basically started doing carpentry after high school. Now he has a digital marketing agency, over 32 patented projects, and has a huge company and is just a really solid guy. You can learn more about Larry at his entrepreneurship school. It's thesoe.com and get his daily motivational message at thinkdaily.com. If you ever want to learn about how to start a multi-million dollar business without going to college, you're going to love this episode, especially in a business that I don't think is as sexy. No one's talking about basements and carpentry. They're talking about tech and AI and chat and all this stuff. So I love things just like this. Here's three things you're going to take away. One, what's it like building a house from scratch? Two, why you should aim to be the best version of yourself in service of other people? And three, how do you bounce back after fires and a divorce? Enjoy those plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. If you are an agency or a solopreneur or you want to be one, go to AppSumo.com slash Noah and join the AppSumo.com mailing list. It's software deals for solopreneurs, people that are agency coaches or startups to get the best deals on software to help you make a lot of moolah without spending it. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener Flip2B. Sounds like a hair care product. They left reviews saying, motivation in a transitional period. It's refreshing to see these people and their experiences in real life. Cheers to being that blessing for others. I bless you and I bless every other one of you gorgeous listeners. If you want to shout out in a future episode, make sure to leave a review wherever you're listening to this. I check every single one of them. What do you think when people say blue collar work? Because like, you're a blue collar millionaire. I don't know. Does that suffice to say? Well, you know, that's how stuff gets done is, you know, people, you know, people working with their hands built the country, you know, technology just enables everything else. You know, it's technology. Maybe you think that, oh, well, this is an end, but really it's a means, right? To that it technology accelerates the rest of us to do what we do better to keep track of data and information and to accelerate what we do. But, you know, I don't work with my hands today every day i you know run a business of you know and help lots of other people be successful at working with their hands and running teams that that fix stuff you know we actually fix stuff so when you have a problem with your house you know there ain't no metaverse or robot or anything that's going to come in and fix it okay so you need <laughs> a dude there with some tools that knows what he's doing and why he's doing it <laughs> just for scope can you tell us about who you are your business like what you're known for company size, revenue, whatever you're comfortable with, like a 30 second kind of like who's Larry intro. I uh, graduated high school, age 17, started a business carpentry called Larry, no job too small, built houses for five years, building bubble, uh, housing bubble collapsed, had to find something else to do. Last house I built had a leaking wall crack in the foundation, tried to figure out how to fix it, said, hey, I could be a basement waterproofing contractor. And you know, camped out, made my mark, developed products for that business, have 32 patents, um, and uh, started a dealer network for that business, always using my own business as the model for the others to emulate and to be the guinea pig, and um, started a dealer networks and uh, different services, basement waterproofing, uh, crawl space repair, which is an industry that I invented, really, basement finishing, home energy conservation, um, gutters and roofing. Uh, we also have a big internet marketing agency within our company, uh, 130 people there. And I own many of my own customers now. Um, so I have 32 business entities in 22 states, maybe 1,600 employees, um, nine building campus here in Connecticut. I have a blog called thinkdaily.com. I've been writing for 13 years. Um, short message of the day, you know, to inspire people to think about things that are important to them. There's Think Daily for business people as well. So people can sign up there at thinkdaily.com. 
I started a school of entrepreneurship for contractors. It's uh, a three and a half year online course that uh, contractors can take, but really any business can take it at vsoe.com. I'm also a desert racer, uh, race dirt bikes in the desert, uh, long distances. I'm the oldest Baja 1000 solo finisher, one of only about 30 people that I've ever finished that at age 54, four years ago. I think I've been a pretty good father and pretty good husband along the way. You know, I'm just a poor boy trying to make it. What's the parent company? So the name of my group, we call it Contractor Nation. A Contractor Nation is really not a, a legal entity, really. It's a collection of my businesses that are all related to the same thing. It's basically we're running companies that fix mostly basements and foundations, but we do, you know, roofing and home energy you know, insulation and and so forth. And then we teach other contractors how to do the same thing. And we sell them materials so that how we, our business model is basically selling materials. But in order for my customers to need more materials, they need to be more successful at running their businesses and building teams and marketing and sales and production and service and accounting. And so we teach them to be really good at all of those things so that they can be successful, they can grow, and they need more materials. How about that? So, you know, it's like we're all on the same team here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to get to your business model. So taking, do you mind if we, we'll just start at the beginning? I'm curious to hear from like the, the beginning story. But it's just to summarize, it sounds like, Larry, contractor nation, you started out just like, after high school, you're like, hey, I'm going to build houses and do contracting. And then you morphed that into like 1,600 people, I think $500 million in revenue or something like that last year. Nine buildings, like it's uh, an amazing story about how you you know you, you also kept parlaying or uh, diversifying and, and helping the same customer in many different ways. When you were in school in high school, like how was high school for you? What kind of student were you? Well, you know, as a kid, I was a straight A student until I got in high school. Then you're interested in other things, you know. Um, I always thought, you know, I was a good learner even at an early age. I thought, hey, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something great one day. I'm going to be, you know, do something special. And I, I always had that that idea in my head. And, um, you know, my parents, um, got divorced when I was first grade and, um, you know, my stepfather was an alcoholic. And so because of that, you know, we, we grew up sort of on food stamps sometimes and, you know, mother working two, three jobs and stuff like that. So, but I decided I didn't want to be part of the problem. I wanted to be the solution, you know, but at an early age, I remember, uh, cut out a comic book ad. I sold burpee seats door to door when I was eight years old. You know, I made money. And I think, you know, something that clicks in a kid's head that I can make my own money. You know, my parents didn't have any money. You know, we're going to give an eight-year-old kid any money that they didn't have. So, but I had my own money, you know, and um, wow, you know, so I was always entrepreneurial as a kid, you know, the paper route, the odd jobs, the, you know, little hustles that you can do. And, um, uh, and so I went to a trade school in a carpentry class for high school, you know, and so I wanted to be a carpenter, you know, and, you know, going to college was never talked about in my family. Nobody in my family ever went to college and we didn't have any money. So it was just like, you know, I had two, three jobs at a time when I was in high school. So, you know, you just go to work, right? Find your full-time gig. So... For me, it was putting an ad in the paper, the same papers I delivered two years earlier, Carpentry called Larry, No Job Too Small. And I'd get calls. And if I showed up, you know, um, I didn't know how to do it, but I would leave and I would go and got, ask the guy at the lumberyard, hey, how do you do this? And he said, well, you use these nails and this tool and these screws and this mastic and whatever. And I'd go back and I'd give him a price and, you know, I would get a lot of the jobs. And um, every time... It was doing something I had never done before. So I got used to kind of being out of my comfort zone and saying, yes, I can do it. Even though I didn't know how to do it, I can do it. And, um, you know, one day I got a call when I was 18, you know, can you build a house for me? And it was a building boom and all the real carpenters were busy. So, you know, I said, well, I, you know, I'm 18 years old. Yeah, I can build a house for you. But, you know, I'm 18, you know, let me know if that's a problem. It's like this long silence on the phone as the guy's weighing his options, right? And he says, no, no, let's get together. So we met at a Denny's and he rolled out the blueprints on a table and I, I gave him a price and I, you know, he gave me the job and I showed up uh, every day for six weeks with my, my friend who was 17 years old, fresh out of the same high school I graduated. 
Uh, it was the summertime. And my younger brother, who was 14 years old, and uh, the three of us built this house, framed, roof, sided, windows and doors, deck in six weeks. And at that point, I had all, you know, they were coming to me saying, build my house, build my house, build my house. Because it was a building boom, you know, and it's like, um, you know, the story of uh, Bill Gates or Steve Jobs kind of being in the right industry at the right time. Right. And that was where I was. I was a carpenter in the midst of a building boom. Right. So I got accelerated opportunities, you know, because there was a lot of them around. But um, the building bubble had burst and I had to find something else to do. You know, if I was a a house builder in Connecticut right now, nothing would happen. They don't build houses in Connecticut, you know. What was your dream then? Like when you were just start, yes, Larry, what was your dream or vision? People ask that all the time. And, and, you know, it's like, um, you know, I mean, you got to have a dream to make a dream come true, right? And that's true. Um, But you don't know what's possible until you try, right? You got to get out there and try something. And action gives you information. And it gives you information as to what's easier, what's harder, what what you're suited for, what you like, what you don't like. You know, where's the path least resistance? Where is there some margin? Where can you make some money? Where can you not make some money? You know, so you just got to try, right? You just got to, you know, get out there and do what you think, your best guess, what you think is possible for you now. And then, and of course, stay in the things that you are interested in, the things that you like, because then it's not going to feel like work. I mean, I never envisioned all this, but, and I stopped guessing what the future holds, you know, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and better and better. And, you know, so it's, uh, you heard that analogy. It's like driving at night. You can't see from here to Columbus, you know, if you're, you're driving at night, but if you drive as far as your headlights, right, then you could see farther and you drive as far as your headlights can shine. And then you can see farther. And, you know, I used to think it was about making money. You know, and I wanted to make money because my family had no money and I wanted a house and, you know, I wanted a, a nice house and wanted to not worry about money anymore. But, you know, once you make money, I mean, some people are in it for the money and, you know, once they make money, they, they leave, you know, or, or some people are, are scared. Right. So they're I've experienced that around me, this private equity locusts are marching across the country and buying everything that breathes. And, um, you know, some business owners are like, man, I got the chance to get out. They're going to give me $8 million. They're going to give me $5 million. They're going to give me $20 million, whatever. And they get out maybe because they're afraid, you know, that they won't get this chance again, that, you know, business will get worse and so forth. But I, I never went that route. And for me, it's not about the money anymore. I realize what it's really about is me being, the best version of myself in service to other people. I mean, that that's how you make money as you serve other people, you create value for other people and you bring other people along the way, right? You can't do it alone, right? You, you, you max out pretty quick. You have 24 hours in a day and you know, you got to sleep and eat and do other stuff. So you've got to find a way to uh, engage other people to be on your team and give their best and stay with you and get more experienced. And, you know, that's my mindset is, you know, now that we've done this and we've done it well and we have a great business, what can we do now? And you just keep keep doing that. I don't, I don't mind if something takes me, you know, two or three times as long as I thought it would. I want to build it right. And then I turn it over to other people. And then I, I'm free to now work on tomorrow, work on the next thing, work on a new thing. And that's what I like to do. I like to, you know, be creative and, and work on things. But I, want them, I don't want them to fall apart tomorrow and because I, I, I know I'm going to own them. I'm going to keep them. I'm going to you know, own the results of that. You know, that's the secret of making a lot of money is work once, get paid forever, right? You build something that works, that is serving people, that works without you, and you keep it, right? And it keeps working and keeps working. I don't want to make it sound oversimplistic and, you know, nothing's easy, right? But, you know, it's it's all hard work and you've got to, you know, go back and tweak and fix it and make sure it stays on the tracks and stuff and, you know, make sure you got the right people and everything. But that's basically what I've done is, uh, you know, build a business, then build another business within the business and another business within the business. And you have different teams running the different, different divisions and they're, they're all working together. How did your friends and family react when you started this business? Well, you know, I was 17. It was just, you know, they didn't know what I was doing. I was just, you know, hammer and nails and, you know, but, uh, I didn't have that problem where people are trying to hold me down. You know, of course, you know, you get people that whatever they think. I mean, I didn't really care. I was just moving forward. Um, 
but I didn't really have any drama around um, people trying to to hold me down. How did you find out what you like to do? Because I think that's something that especially if people don't go to college or even if they do go to college, like, what do I do with my life? Like, did you start doing carpentry and stuff with your hands and find you like that right away? How do you think people should find that? You know, at the time, there was no technology, you know, it was 1982, you know. So this, this is a great question. And so you have to figure out what am I good at? What are, what are my inherent talents? You know, I believe that, you know, God put in us all different talents so that we could, you know, serve others. We're human beings are social species. And, you know, some of us are good at going out and slaying the lion. And some of us are good at farming. And some of us are good at, you know, caring for others that are sick. And some of us are good at, you know, providing for others. And, you know, so you got to say, you know, what are my inherent talents? Is it that I, I'm good at researching? I'm good at, you know, for me, I'm good at the building trades, um, you know, and fixing things, but applying the science to it. And in the end, what I do is I, I, I make simplicity out of complexity in a way that others can use it, right? But, you know, if you're good with numbers, if you're good, you know, talking, if you're good listening, if you're good at, you know, fixing things, if you're good at building things, if you're good at caring for people, if you're good, you know, you like animals, if you, you know, you want to be outside, do you want to be inside, you know, like figure out what is it that you feel the most comfortable and you feel like I'm in my place, I'm in my zone, right? And then look at what careers are around that and go out and try something and get a job somewhere and, and learn and say, is this what I want to do? And if it's not, then don't waste time, right? I mean, move on to the next thing, try something else. I'm not advocating job jumping forever because, you know, for me, I've stayed on the same horse my, you know, pretty much. I mean, it's, it's a different color horse, but it's, you know, I've stayed on the same horse for, for 41 years. And, you know, I've got compound interests working for me with my talents and skills and resources and, and people and my team and, you know, all that. But, but at an early age, you should try to find out what business do I feel comfortable in and, and it does it match my natural talents and abilities and then and then go from there. Were you scared as you got started? No, because I had nothing to lose, you know. I think that's a good place to come from when you got nothing to lose and you have a lot of ambition. That's awesome. I mean, I have a huge advantage over my competition because I'm just going for it, you know. And I don't I don't worry about what if I make a mistake? If I make a mistake, I just keep going and fix it. I learn fast, you know, mistakes are our feedback. That's all. Yeah. What were the challenges early on in the journey? For me, I had to learn uh, how to lead a team, how to inspire others, that it was really about other people and less about me. I had to build other people up, right? I mean, when you have nothing, it's hard to take people with you on a success journey when you're not successful yourself, right? But, uh, you know, you're, you're on your way. You're figuring it out. It doesn't always show in monetary terms. You know, you could be growing as an individual, growing your ability to create value for other people, growing your leadership skills, growing your business could be growing even though your P&L doesn't show it, you know, and your, your personal abilities are growing even though you don't have results to show for it you know and we say in my school of entrepreneurship that an entrepreneur doesn't get paid in tidy little one-year taxable packages an entrepreneur gets paid over a lifetime an entrepreneur will spend the beginning part of their career being desperately underpaid you know when you start your business your friends have jobs and they're making you know 60 80 100 whatever they're making and and you're making nothing, right? And you're working twice as hard as them. And uh, you're worried about, you know, paying your bills. But then if the entrepreneur gets it right, you don't quit and you figure it out and you get it right and you, you know, and you're not your own worst enemy, you get to spend the last part of your career being wildly overpaid to make 10 years income in one year, 20 years income in one year or more, you know, but that's the journey. Do you remember when you made your first million? I really don't. I'm 58 now. I mean, it, it may have been, you know, in my 30s or something. How was that? You know, even today, I mean, you want to do better every year. And some years you do. And some years you're a little short of the year before. But that's not how I measure things. I, I don't look at my um, tax return and say, Yahoo, I did it. Money is, is a an effect of what you're doing, but it's not the cause. And I, I mostly... and focused on the causes and 
you know, did I do a good job? Do I have peace and harmony amongst my team? Right? Is there crises? Do I feel good going to work? Is there nagging problems that are unsolved that I haven't been able to solve? You know, those are the kinds of things that I look at. I mean, I'd rather have less income and harmony and feel proud of myself than to make more money and not be proud of what I've done or have unhappy team members who could leave at any moment, you know? Um, so that's, you know, that's how I think about it. What were some of the, the highlights on this journey? What were some of the memorable moments in the past, was it 40, 40 years? When you introduce a new product, right? And it goes well and it's a blockbuster. I mean, I've, I've introduced lots of new products and some of them fell flat and some of them I lost millions on and other ones were instant hit. You know, that's really cool, you know, and they're using them still today, you know, things I introduced in the, in the early 90s, you know. When, you know, you have an event and you're on stage training and you know you're just crushing it, like everybody's like, you know, you're really making a difference. You're really getting in their head about who they could be and how to do it. And, you know, that those are really great moments. You know, when, when I give a great speech at one of my annual events and I know that I've touched a lot of people, you know, sometimes, you know, when everybody's gone and you're one of the last ones to leave the office, you know, sometimes they just take a lap around the, the office and think about what we've done, you know. It's amazing. What'd you lose millions on? You said you came up with an idea and put it out, or what, what were you thinking? Well, one of them had to do with um, making a uh, furnace way more efficient. And um, I learned a lesson. You know, I, I bought the rights to this invention that these guys developed, but I should have done more research. You know, I was so blinded by the opportunity. The upside was the moon and you know, the downside was what I paid. And the difference there was so dramatically different that, um, you know, I, I went forward with it. But I, if I did a little bit more research and, you know, ironically, my 19-year-old my son analyzed it and he said, Dad, this is never going to work. Unfortunately, it was after the closing, you know. <laughs> but, you know, you get a swing the bat, you know, and, you, you know, hopefully you learn to take intelligent swings, you know, and you, uh, you know, you get smarter and you get better at it. Yeah, it is funny, though, we as entrepreneurs, you think like, oh, this is definitely going to work. Like, I, I even did something yesterday. Now, I've, you know, I've been doing entrepreneur stuff about 20 years. And this thing yesterday didn't work. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> and you just, and you just, uh, you keep going. Coming back on the office, I remember in uh, your story, you, you started out of a house, and then now it's nine buildings. Like, tell me a little more about that. Just going to hear you talk about how you walked around your, your office and it kind of really touched you. Yeah, you know, you never know when what's going to touch you, right? You know, just talking about it, right? I don't, I don't really talk about it too much, uh, the whole thing. But yeah, I started out in a 900-square-foot house. It was my first house, right? And that was the business. Half of the house was the business, you know, and half was my, my home, and including kitchen, bathroom. And, you know, there were six little rooms, you know. So that's where we started. And you got to figure stuff out, you know, like um, I had a um, an associate, you know, he had a business and he wasn't working and, uh, you know, he didn't face it. He didn't change. He didn't make it work. And I mean, ultimately you're responsible, right? You're the leader. And then, you know, he, he committed suicide. So literally lives are at stake, you know, and now uh, you got 20 employees that don't know what to do. You know, they're going to be out of a business, out of jobs. And, you know, so, you know, that's like we talk about it right? and we and you interview all the successful people. Right. <laughs> you don't interview the people that are struggling, that failed. Right. And there's there's many more of them because the business will never outperform the leader. And that's the real lesson. Right. you got to work on you harder than you work on your business. Like what kind of person are you? How are you showing up every day? And are you willing to face your own weaknesses and your own? Are you willing to even acknowledge them and recognize them and see them? Right. And then fix them. That's the game. Right. You become a better person by building a better business. And if you don't become a better person, you know, the world gives you what you deserve. Even if you can argue and stomp your feet and cry and moan and complain and blame all you want, but the world is giving you what you deserve. You know, you chose this business, you chose a business with, you know, this kind of margins, or you 
you chose to, you know, innovate or not innovate. You chose to treat people this way. You chose to burn that bridge 10 years ago. Now it's coming back. You know, you did this, you did that. And so it's a reflection of your ability to make the world a better place. Right. And you're never going to, you know, influence the world into a greater degree than you influence yourself. And so that's really the part of the game that I like, right. Is, I have to build other people up. I, I have tons of partners, you know. I have tons of people that rely on me. And, you know, for in my business, most of the people are getting paid either straight commission, salespeople, or their foreman on the tools, on the job. I mean, these guys are doing tough work, right? They're, it's heavy work it's there's dust there's it's loud it's you know mud it's spider webs in your hair they're crawling in nasty crawl spaces there but i've created an opportunity where they can make you know 60 80 100 120 thousand dollars a year doing that work and i haven't lost a foreman in 25 years right then they're so good and they take ownership of the company and they don't let any bad actors come in and, and you know, mess with our, uh, our culture or screw around. Or, and so I'm really proud of that, you know. And so you have to figure out how do I take a lot of other people and unlock the best in other people. I don't mean just give, I don't believe in giving people things, right, for nothing. Unlock their ability to create value for your customers at your company, right? And so... You know, that, that's the game. I, I think there's a stereotype about rich people out there that they, you know, zero-sum game, more for them is less for me, you know, and that that's wrong. That's not true. I'd rather live in a neighborhood where, you know, some people are doing better than me <laughs> instead of uh, everybody equal, right? Because they're showing me the way. They're showing that more is possible, and uh, they write books, and for $15, I can get their playbook, and, you know, but you have to be able to create value for other people. Otherwise it doesn't last, you know? And so I'm here to stay. I'm, I'm not selling my business. I'm not, uh, I have to make money. All of my entities have to make money because that's how we keep score. And that's how like, look, if I have X revenue, I've got to operate the business on 90% of that revenue. If I spend 105% of that revenue in operating my business, if that goes on very long, we're all toast, right? We're all going home. So I've got to be able to make a profit and I've got to figure that out. It's my responsibility, right? I'm the leader. No one's going to walk into my office and say, Larry, you know, you're not doing a good job as a leader. Um, you know, why don't you get out of the way? I'll take care of this. You know, nobody does that, right? Because you're the leader and they, they figure you're going to get fired if you criticize them. So it's lonely. It can be lonely at the top, but you know, that's the entrepreneurial challenge. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're in tech, if you're in, you know, principally, I waterproof basements for a living. I mean, you know, we're at the bottom of the food chain, right? I mean, but it doesn't really matter what you do. These are things that people need to have done. There's things people don't know how to do, don't have the tools and equipment to do and don't want to do, don't have the physical ability to do. And we provide that service. So it, it doesn't really matter what you're doing, you know, in the end, it's it's like a personal challenge to be the best leader you can be, and, and it's a leadership and team-building challenge. One of the things you said that made me, uh, it almost made me feel self-conscious, but also you know made me feel optimistic, which is the leader has to rise up and the company can go to the, the level of the leader's personal growth. So I was curious, what have been some of your personal challenges of growth in, in this journey? You talk a lot about, you know, college or no college. I, I say no college, you know, but you can't... Um, you know, be a doctor with a home study course, you know, and start cutting people open. So it depends what you want to do, of course. Um, but if you're going to be a business person, man, you know, you don't need to go to college. I mean, you know, these days, how to do it is known and it's all available. There's no skills, or no knowledge that belongs to colleges that they have exclusively, right? If you're a learner, if you can discipline yourself to learn, then get on YouTube, get on audiobooks, get some books and throw yourself at it. You know, for years, I didn't uh, listen to the radio. I mean, for 40 years, I didn't listen to the radio. I just uh, listened to audiobooks, you know, the entire time, audio programs and, and audiobooks. And, you know, I've learned just constantly learning. I'm learning every day to this day. So the drive time is, um, you know, it's found time, right? It doesn't take any extra time. 
And um, that's how I learned. What were some of the moments that were challenging? Like people quit, the product doesn't work, like any specific mo- stories that come to mind for you? Yeah. Yeah. People quitting. I mean, you know, I don't know if it was in 1989, you know, this kid we hired, young kid, clean cut kid. He had some, you know, promise and, you know, well-spoken kid. And he put a wheelbarrow in the back of a van on top of all the other stuff that was in the van. And he, and this was our prize van. Like it was like a $4,000 van instead of a $800 van that all the other ones were, you know, all used trucks. But this was our, our queen of the fleet at this point. We had just got it. And he closed the back door of the van and the wheel wheelbarrow handle was sticking out. And when the, the glass hit the wheelbarrow handle, the glass exploded out onto the shop floor. And, and so I yelled at that kid in front of everyone else. And, and he, he quit, you know, a week later and, um, would he have quit anyway? Eventually, was he suited for the job? I, I don't know, but you know, he had promise, and all I could think about was how I humiliated him, you know, in front of other people. I mean, he made a mistake, you know. So now, you know, I've learned to deal with deal with that a lot better. And you know, I've had people make million dollar mistakes, and I didn't fire them. You know, I just invested a million bucks of their education, and so. If you look at all the problems in your business, you, you know, you could trace it back to something that I did, something that I didn't do. I didn't train people well enough. I didn't account for that. I, you know, it's like it's the leader's fault. You have to take responsibility for what happens in your business, even if other people do it. I mean, you hired them, you put up with them, you trained them or didn't train them, you set expectations, whatever it is. And so it's, it's all your fault. I mean, certainly you have bad days, but you don't uh, freak out and blame other people you know, anymore. You just say, all right, we got to do better. How do we, you know, dealing with people is, it's an art, you know, you you got people that have all different ambitions, motivations, problems, addictions, uh, you know, and they're all rubbing up against each other in your business. And you got to make them all, you got to bring out the best in each individual, but then get them to work well together without destructive office politics and destructive gossip and you know, people feeling unfairly treated and all that. It's, it's, uh, that's a challenge, you know, the the bigger you get, you know, the more opportunity there is for people to, to not do well. And so I like when there's, you know, when people have been with me for a long time and we've all been together and we are like family, right. We can say stuff to each other and we know, you know, each other's sense of humor, you know what you're good at, you respect them for what they're good at, you know what they're not good at, you don't, you just don't give them that kind of work. Um, you know about their family, you know about their kids, you, you know, something. I mean, I have so many employees now, I can't do that. But for my core group, you know, I just like seeing the same faces over and over and over every day. You know, it's it's cool. I noticed you really like uh, like positive thinking books. You've done, even worked with like Les Brown, who I love. I think his stuff is phenomenal. I think John Maxwell, potentially, and some of the, I was curious, like, what are some of the favorite books or ways that you've educated yourself instead of going to college, you've learned on the job, but what's some of the the teachers you recommend for other people to check out or books or courses? You know, there's so many. It's just, um, I started out with Nightingale Conant audio programs, you know, back in the day. And, you know, audio programs was a big innovation back then, putting a book on audio or getting, you know, a famous uh, teacher to put it on audio was a real innovation. And it was cassette tapes. And there were six cassette tapes for, um, you know, $60, you know, and that was a lot of money back in the 80s, you know. But, um, you know, back then it was Earl Nightingale and Brian Tracy and Wayne Dyer and Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and, you know, all these guys and, you know, right up to their counterparts to today. But you also have some great authors. You've got, it's just countless. I mean, I don't know how many audiobooks I've listened to, but uh, it's got to be in the thousands uh, for sure. And my house burned down in 2014, like to the basement floor. And uh, I rebuilt it and uh, I'm sitting in it right now. And I have uh, a library, you know, that's, um, you know, I value these things. And, um, you know, I know that that information built me. And I think 
young people should understand. You, you've got to be a, a rabid learner, a lifetime learner. There's no radio. There's no news in the car. You need to be listening to voices of value constantly because you're always going to fall back to your inherent patterns of thinking and your inherent norms. And, you know, if you don't get influenced by other people constantly, you get to the limit of what you're inherently capable of pretty quick. You know, so you need constant input from other voices and people that have done it and done the things that you want to do and, and even learn peripherally. You don't have to learn just about exactly your core, what you're doing, learn about this, you know, psychology and what's going on and industries and the mechanics of, you know, people and things around that. And then that's how you expand your comfort zone and, and start trying things you haven't tried before. At a high level, I'm curious, what are you best known for? What are some of the products you've invented? And I am curious, like, how many revenue streams does a $500 million business have? Because I actually feel one of the things that I think you did that is really impressive is that you did contracting, but then you you parlayed that into, like, I'm going to teach people it. I'm going to sell the products for it. It's really impressive versus, you know, you're not building houses anymore. You're not personally building houses. And I think people people kind of miss that sometimes in the entrepreneurship journey. So I'd love to I'd be curious those two things. Yeah. Well, you know, this on my shirt right here, all things basementy. Um, and I love marketing and, uh, so all things basementy is, uh, means basement waterproofing, basement finishing, uh, foundation repair, uh, humidity and mold control and nasty crawl spaces too. And so I came up with that one word for anybody that think about their basement, any problem or anything that needs to be done, just call us. Right. But, um, I've invented some pump systems that are the best in the world, um, and uh drainage systems for um basements that are you know revolutionized the way that things were done save 60 percent of the labor and you know all kinds of accessories that for that uh, i invented crawl space encapsulation so that's uh, industry that is all over the country now and i created that and, it, and it's actually was against the building code when i started it was actually illegal what we were doing and so I said, well, we can do it right or we can do it legal, but we can't do both. So we're just going to do it right for our customers. And the industry, the, the building codes realized that we were right and they slowly started changing. And uh, now it's, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, we seal crawl spaces instead of vent them. And I started a basement finishing company. We use all inorganic materials. So uh, we don't put anything that grew on a tree in a basement because it could get moldy. Uh, so we finish it with all inorganic materials and it, it looks great and it's going to last forever. And it's never going to, you know, smell moldy and stuff. And we air seal and insulate houses. So we make them more efficient, less expensive to own, use less energy to heat and cool. And I'm proud of that because this is an industry that is supported and dominated by government programs. And they do a terrible, terrible job in the government programs in most states, with maybe one exception. And no dealership network or franchise has ever survived in this business except for mine. And uh, it was it was painful getting that business going and making it successful. But I figured it out. I didn't quit. And you know, that's it's kind of I'm known for not quitting. You know, I'm still here. I could have sold my business and moved to Florida like everyone else, uh, you know, many years ago. But I'm still here. This is what I do. I wake up in the morning and I say, I'm going to go to go to work and see work on my highest value priorities. That's going to make tomorrow better. And, and usually it involves teaching other people how to, you know, to know what I know or how to do what I know how to do. And uh, we started a roofing dealer network, a gutter dealer network, and we have an internet marketing agency, which honestly, that's one division that I just defer to other people. I don't know. I know what good marketing, what good messaging is like. That's my strength is the messaging and, and the, you know, print advertising, uh, whether it be on a screen or, or otherwise, um, that's my strength, but you know, all the, the digital stuff is not. So I have really good people and we generate, um, 650,000 leads a year for our dealer network. So it's, it's no joke. And, uh, you know, we have 130 people working on that and all the different areas of internet marketing, whether it be 
production of uh, websites or, you know, link building or the software piece of it or the reporting piece of it or the, the social media piece of it or the PPC piece of it or the, you know, optimization piece of it or the you know, analysis, whatever, all these people are, you know, way smarter than I am. So, but the reason we do all these things is to, to help contractors succeed. That's the, the common thread through all of it. We, so we have these dealer networks of hundreds of contractors who rely on us, but we we own or are partners in 24 of them. So, you know, we, we're influencing, well, we have about, I don't know, 1,600 paychecks we write every week, but we're influencing probably, I don't know, 8,000 people work within our dealers and our dealer network, maybe 10, maybe 12,000, I don't know, but uh, that are using our stuff and, uh, you know, to be successful at serving Mr. and Mrs. Jones who have a problem with their house and they, they want to call a contractor and they want them to show up on time and know what they're doing and be honest and give them a written estimate and show up when they say they're going to show up and do the work and get the results and be there to stand behind the warranty. I mean, that, that's what, that's what we do. We teach people how to do that. Yeah, I got to give you props. I love how you help, you know, the basement. And it's like you've helped in so many ways, and then you've expanded, but it's still around the same thing or in contracting. And I think there's a lot of us that are like, let's go over there. And there you're like, no, there's just like a lot in the vertical. Like that's a whole content video piece itself. Exactly. That's a very important lesson. You know, if you divide, you know, so, oh, I'm successful, I'll start a restaurant, you know, (laughs) or I'll start this other business has nothing to do with the first one, you know, now you're in dangerous water and you're probably going to pay for that. If someone's listening and they're thinking about dropping out or skipping college, like what would you tell them? Yeah. I mean, you know, some people have grown up in households that, um, you know, they're expected to go to college they're expected to, you know, graduate and get a diploma and work for a corporation or whatever. I mean, I mean, you know, okay, that's one path. That's, that's maybe the safe path, but honestly, being an entrepreneur is a life of adventure. It's a life that's going to force you out of your comfort zone and get you to be the best person that you could be. And um, if that's for you, that sounds good. You're going to take on massive responsibility and you're going to be a problem solver. I always say shit flows uphill, right? All the problems that no one else could solve get to your desk, right? And if you're okay, some days it's rough, but after a while, you get used to it. Like right now, people say, doesn't that stress you out? How do you manage, you know, 30-something businesses and all these things? And I'm like, well, first of all, I have great people, and I've done the right thing over all these years, and the people stay, and they solve most of the problems. You know, most days, my phone doesn't even ring. You know, I don't get any calls with with any problems. I mean, certainly, there's plenty of, you know, emails and questions and running this by you and stuff. Okay. But how I process problems is uh, different, you know, than it used to be. I remember in my thirties, I was stressed out, man. Uh, you know, there was times I could feel the stress in my neck and like, and now I'm good. You know, I, I make sure I work out and I, I'm outside a lot. I love being in the woods. I love riding my dirt bike. Uh, you know, you got to do the physical part. You got to take care of your body because you need energy to get through this, you know, to do this job. You need energy. You can't be wiped out at two o'clock, right? You got to get enough sleep. You got to eat right. You got to take care of your body. You know, something comes up, you got to get it taken care of and take care of your personal life. You know, you can't have problems in your personal life and then go to work and pretend everything's okay. You know, I think three big um, challenges in my life that, uh, you know, I share that all came in my fifties, you know, I'm 58 now. And, um, there was times I just, you know, it was rough. I thought the world was coming down, but so in 2013, I had this barn that I built at, uh, I own 90 acres of, of woods, uh, about a half an hour away from my house. So it's like my weekend place that I get to go to every weekend. Cause it's only half an hour away. Some people have weekend places that are four hours away and they go, once or twice a year and you know but i i get to you know enjoy that i go in the woods and with a chainsaw and you know clean up the woods and build stone walls and stuff like that and we have a motocross track there but anyway so the barn burned down in 2013 to the ground okay so we rebuilt it and then four months after it was rebuilt my house burned down it's a big house you know, beautiful place and everything in it. I I collect things. I collect a lot of photos, family photos, mementos, you know, memories and all that stuff. And, and I have journals. So I'm a journaler and, uh, I keep journals. I write down all the things of value that I 
you know, so when I'm listening to audiobooks, I'm writing, I'm writing, the, the, you know, distilling the, the best ideas. And uh, I've got uh, maybe 60 journals and they all burned in the fire, right? 20 years of study, right? So for nine hours, I watched my house burn to the ground. So, you know, it took three and a half years to rebuild. And um, then my wife uh, decided she wanted a divorce after 27 years. And um, we have three kids and the kids are adults. So, And uh, so that was just, you know, like, oh, my God, what the heck? You know, it was the hardest thing that I had ever been through. And then um, at the same time, a private equity firm came along and said, hey, Larry's got a nice business here. Uh, he won't sell to us. So we're just going to raid his life's work and we're going to buy all his customers and become their new supplier. You got your your home, your marriage and your work, your life's work all circling the drain. You know, yeah, I got through it. Right. So, you know, I rebuilt my house. Uh, I'm remarried. I'm super happy. And I realize everything happens for a reason, you know, and if you stick in there and you don't quit while you're down, amazing things can happen. You know, sometimes you got to have a breakthrough to you know, something's got to break to have a breakthrough. You got to make an opening in your life for something better to come in because your life is full in all these areas. And when something blows up, you know, burns, crashes, you know, it creates an opening, you know, and you don't realize it when you're going through it. But if you stick in there and you be a good human being and you keep trying and you haven't burned all your bridges with people, then good things are going to happen. And that's how I got to buy and partner with many of my own dealers. And now we've, uh, I mean, there's nothing they could do to hurt me anymore. And I'm private and I have no debt and they have tons of debt and all kinds of obligations and they're ruining, you know, their businesses that they took over. Cultures are going to hell and, uh, you know, we're in for the right reasons for the long term. So, so that's, um, you know, big lesson. And uh, sometimes business owners gets their identity is their business, right? And mom, you go to work every day, you work on it, you know, however many, 60 hours a week, whatever. And, and you do it for so many years, of, of course, you know, that's, that's part of who you are, right? But you got to remember that that's just a vehicle for you to along this journey. And, you know, bad things are going to happen. It's never easy, but everything's happening for a reason. There's only a few things I can't explain, like the death of a, a child or somebody getting a disease, you know, um, life threatening disease or something. I don't have an explanation for that. I can't see why, what the good reason for that would be. But short of that, you know, everything else, hey, the sun's going to come up tomorrow, man. You know, you still have, if you have your health, you know, man with this health has a thousand dreams, right? Man without it has but one. So take care of your body and, you know, take care of the, your family and, you know, be a good person and, and things, uh, things work out. And, you know, sometimes people that you love or people that you trusted will turn on you. You can't get bitter for long. You know, you, you've got to just go out and be the best person you could be. And, and maybe then you realize, well, it had everything to do with them, and nothing to do with me. And you keep marching forward. Two last things, and uh, th thank you for chatting. This is awesome. I, I'm very, I, I run a software company, and, I'm just, and, and we do this channel out, out of passion. So I have a lot of like inspiration to go back to, to work on. What do your kids do? Well, I have a son and two daughters from my uh, first marriage. And, and then my um, wife, Marie, has uh, two children. They're a 16-year-old girl in high school and an 8-year-old boy. My youngest daughter, uh, she's the only one that went to college. And she uh, rides horses. She's really good at uh, show jumping, equestrian events. And uh, she's pursuing that while she's uh, at her that age um, that uh, she can do that. I suspect eventually the writing part will, she'll graduate from that and go on to something else. My, my middle daughter is, is married with a child and she moved uh, out of state. And my son, me and him were buddies, you know, uh, we rode, I taught him to you know, ride a ATV and a motorcycle when he was very, very young. And we've been together, you know, and he picked up uh, my habit of listening to audiobooks. And he's a rabid learner. Um, he's very introverted, but um, he's he's brilliant. And he's um, he's 27. And he is uh, an amazing 
at math and science. He's an engineer, physics. Um, he's developed two blockbuster products for us, uh, the world's most efficient dehumidifier and the world's best air purifier. And we are marketing both of those. And um, he's moved on to you know, working in the energy space, uh, just educating himself and, and learning while he's running his air purifier business. Um, so he's, uh, he's on to the next thing, you know, and he's just learning and learning and learning. And there, there's an example, right? He never went to college and he is, he beat, you know, the, all these engineers at these, uh, air purifier and dehumidifier manufacturers at their own game in his early twenties, you know? So very proud of him. If someone watching, did just drop out of college or they're like, I'm not going to college. And they, let's just say they wanted to make a million dollars for them. That's very important. Like they, they'd be their dream in life. What would be your advice to them? Start your own business and find something where there's a margin. When you're talking about building wealth, it's um, you're talking about creating a lot, way more value than you consume. It's not about, you know, the money. I want to make a lot of money so I can spend a lot of money on myself and feed my my ego and my lifestyle. I mean, okay, everybody has an ego and living a great lifestyle is, is wonderful. But really at the core of it, it's, you know, from the inner, the outer, right? From the unseen, the seen, from the invisible, the visible. So it comes from in here and in here and your ability to create something in the world that wasn't there had you not been there to create value for other people that they exchange with you in a voluntary exchange, you know, God bless America. I mean, I had the, the accident to be born an American in 1964 when, you know, we have incredible abundance and options and freedom. And I have all these resources. I don't have to invent electricity. I don't have to invent computers or automobiles or anything. I use all these things to then say, well, what, how can I make people's lives better using all these things? And how can I enable something to happen that hasn't happened yet that makes people's lives better that had I not been here would not have happened. So we got to prepare ourselves to be the kind of person who shows up in the world to create that. So, you know, it's all from what's inside. And Money is a effect, but you are the cause. You are the cause and you and all the people that you can get enrolled in your mission to help the customer. You are all the cause of that. So um, that's really, you know, what it's about. And that's why I keep going because I think one of the, the problems in, in the economy right now is a shortage of labor. It's human beings applying themselves, their heads and their hearts out there in serving others and creating the products and services that people need is what makes the world go round. And you have people all over the economic spectrum that are not working. So you have the people at the bottom that, you know, have problems and stuff, and there always be those people. So we, you know, try to assist them and help them and show them the way, but not enable them to continue to not produce anything for anyone else then you got the people in the middle like the people that retire early because they were in a union or they were a government employee and you know hey i did my 20 years my 25 years and i'm you know 51 years old and i get my pension and i'm out of here i'm retiring and i have enough money to live and that's how they've been trained to think if i have enough money to live i'm, I'm going to stop producing but they're still consumers and then you have the people at the top so the you know, entrepreneurs who started a business that get bought out by private equity and, you know, they get their however many millions. These are people that were the movers and shakers, the people that are the risk takers, the people that took responsibility, the people that solved a lot of problems, the people that, you know, put themselves out there and created jobs. And now they disappear in the night, right? And they're not producing anything either, but they're consumers. They're big time consumers. So all these people are consumers, but they're not producing anything. So for me, I say I have a moral obligation to continue to use my talents in service to the world. I make money a lot easier than someone else, but that doesn't matter how much money you make. It matters I get up in the morning and I go to work and I, I say, how can I serve people, my employees, and teach my employees to be better service providers to my customers? 
And I know I have that moral obligation and that duty. And how do I know that? Because I'm a consumer. So if I'm a consumer and we're all consumers, then we have an obligation to be producers in some way. Use your own talents, whether it's doing something simple, you know, picking up trash, or whether it's doing something very sophisticated and that requires a lot of knowledge and education and deep work. It doesn't matter. You know, we should just keep going. And yeah, is the retirement? Yes. Okay. Eventually there'll be some retirement. But for me, you know, the idea of getting up in the morning and not have anything to do and just go, you know, play with something, uh, you know, is not very appealing. You know, uh, work makes play fun, right? If it was play, 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 play gets boring. And it's not fun anymore, right? So you work hard, you play hard, you experience things. You know, my personal mission statement is an extraordinary life of shared experiences. And I hope that I'm living up to that. When you start a business and you look at a business that's running, you say, would I trade places with that owner? And to answer that question, you need to find out what their P&L is like, okay? Or find out what their life is like. Like some people say, oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. Well, you go to school and be a doctor and you find out you're on call all the time, weekends, nights, you know, you don't have a life, you can't go anywhere. You know, is that really what you want to do, right? So I would shadow somebody uh, who's doing what you think you want to do if you can. But, you know, always ask the question, would I want to trade places with this person? And to answer that, you got to find out as much as possible. Now, there's a lot of businesses where there's no margin. And in order to get margin, you've got to innovate. You've got to do something. You've got to, you've got to wow the customers. You've got to give the customers something that they like more than what this current business is doing that has no margin, right? Because if you get a business that has like, you know, two, 3% margins, I mean, you, you know, <laughs> you, you got to make a, a giant company out of that to make any real money, right? So usually to command margin, you have to be different. You have to provide more value. You've got to innovate. And everyone else is trying the same thing. So be true to you. You know, don't get into something just for the money, okay? Um, you want to do something that you enjoy. In the end, you're not taking anything with you. This is not a dress rehearsal. It's about, did I feel fulfilled? Did I feel happy doing what I was doing? Did I take other people with me? Am I proud of what I've done? Do people talk good about me when I'm not around? You know, that's what it's really about. Now, if you can make money and, and accomplish those things at the same time, that's great. But don't sell your soul for money. The goal is in life is to be happy while being the best person that you could be and being true to your inherent interests. You know, That's great. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to talk with you today. And uh, so I would encourage, you know, anybody to go to thinkdaily.com to sign up for my blog. Um, it's free. It always has been. And I'll never sell your email address to anyone. I've never shared. I never try to sell you anything at all. Um, so that's me. Also, um, check out Into the Dust movies on YouTube. There's Into the Dust, Into the Dust 2, 3, and 4. I think you really enjoy them. They're about our racing um, in Baja and really the challenge of a lifetime. And I think you really, really enjoy them. Anyone would. And uh, for those business owners, um, you can go to V-S-O-E, T-H-E-S-O-E dot -E com to learn more about my school of entrepreneurship. And if anybody has a problem with their basement or their roofing or insulation or anything like that, you can go to contractornation.com, uh, basementsystems.com, drenergysaver.com, klausroofing.com. Um, but you'll, if you go to thinkdaily.com, all the links are there. But um, yeah, and then I have a book called The Highest Calling. So um, that's available on audio, on uh, Audible, The Highest Calling. And it's really an emotional story about um, a business owner who's trying to, you know, struggling and things aren't going well. And then how he turns it around. But it's a very um, emotional story, semi-biographical. And it's really about you. If you're an entrepreneur and you're struggling, this book is about you. And uh, I think you'll absolutely love it. So that's what I got. Thank you, Larry. That was, that was awesome hearing your story and talking with you. Thanks, Noah. That is a wrap. I hope you love the episode as much as we did making it for you. Go check out and give Larry some love at Larry Janeski. That's Larry, J-A-N-E-S-K-Y.com. Make sure you give him all the props. This guy's done really cool stuff. Also, check him out on YouTube. 
Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's go play a board game together. Before you go, tweet at me, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok, whatever it is, at Noah Kagan. I love hearing from y'all. Let me know what you think of these episodes. Also, remember to go subscribe to my email list. That is okdork.com. Each and every week, I have an exclusive email that has amazing content just for subscribers. Go to okdork.com so you do not miss out. Finally, a couple shout outs to the amazing team that helps make all this happen. Thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com for making the episode sound great. Mitchell, Jeremy, George, Cam, Sasa, Nikki, and Jen from the Dork Team for all the magic y'all do. And finally, shout out to Eric Steinberg, who's a developer at AppSumo. We have been doing this a long time. You came from sumo.com. You were working a really interesting job before this, and you've come a long way. It's really great to see your journey and that we become friends. Also, we built some amazing real-time fraud detection bots for AppSumo with some of the wild stuff going on in the back end. Uh, that's really helped us kick out the bad guys and help all the good guys. So thank you very much, man. Have a stupendous day, everyone. I love you. What's your favorite card game? Oh, I'm really interested to hear that one.